Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. So excited for Christmas. It is my favorite, absolute favorite season of the year. And um, when <laughs> Pastor Brett asked me to talk about <clears throat> this sermon topic, I thought it was really fun to be able to dive into the other side of Christmas that we don't really like to think about, and that is something that we should be doing during Christmas, right? Not just getting presents or whatever. We're in the second week of our series called Travel Light. How many of you guys heard Pastor Brad's uh, message last week? It was so good, wasn't it? It was all about letting go of stuff, uh, letting go of things, and really focusing on the experiences with people and the things that people remember. Today, I'm going to be talking about letting go of the old. Now, today is uh, December 15th, which means we have two weeks left of December, two weeks left of 2019, two weeks left of this decade, Just really weird, right? And um, we're already seeing all the advertisements for the gym memberships, right? You know, get in shape, start the decade outright, buy Peloton, hashtag Peloton fail. Nobody saw that? No? Oh my gosh, go YouTube it. Um, so New Year's is all about starting something new, right? We make our New Year's resolutions. It's all about making a change in our lives. But in order to start something new, we have to stop something old. Am I right? In order to start something new, we have to stop something old. In order to start a new habit of eating healthy food, we have to stop the habit of eating bad food. Can't do both. So what stops us from letting go of the old? What keeps us feeling frustrated or anxious or uh, just really stressed out about these New Year's resolutions that we have or the desire to start something new? And what keeps us from really allowing ourselves to let that happen? Well, the first thing that I thought of was the past. Now, you might think that is super cliche. Of course, the past keeps us from letting go of the old, right? Well, I don't mean actual past experiences. I'm talking about past expectations or past memories or past comparisons of who we are. When you were younger, did you have an idea of what your life would look like right now? Does it look exactly like that? When I was like eight, I decided after reading Little House on the Prairie that I was gonna grow up to live in a polished stone house on a homestead and I was gonna live off the grid. My life does not look like that right now. Our life really doesn't ever look exactly like it's going to and sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's not, and it causes us to feel regret because we make decisions, good and bad, that lead us on a path to get where we are going. When that path takes us to a place that we're not incredibly happy with, we have regret. Catherine Mansfield says, regret is an appalling waste of energy. You can't build on it. It is only good for wallowing in. Have you ever wallowed? I've wallowed. I've looked back at my life before and thought, oh man, I really regret that. I wonder what my life would look like if I had just fill in the blank. 
I wonder what my life would look like now if, what if? That's not a fun place to be in. It's exhausting, especially when we know that those what ifs are around things that we did as mistakes. Think decisions that we made were not wise. Those what ifs can tear us apart. Now I was at a women's retreat uh, two, three years ago. I was at the beach. Ladies remember that one, right? And we had a special speaker and she spoke about the Hebrew culture and how it's so interesting to dive into it because they interpret things so much differently than we do. And she was bringing up the story of Peter in Luke 22. And if you remember, it talks about how Jesus has tell, is telling Peter that before the rooster crows, he's going to deny Christ three times. We've all heard this story, right? I've heard that story a million times, and every time they talked about it, I was like, oh, there's like the soldiers and Peter, and they're sitting around a fire, and, and then randomly a rooster walks by. That's, that's crazy. But this speaker talked about how in Jerusalem, this was an agrarian culture. There were roosters everywhere, all the time. Roosters crowed constantly. So Peter is going to live his life, the rest of his life, and Jesus knows this, hearing roosters crowing all the time. Why in the world would Jesus do that to him? Why would Jesus choose a symbol that every time he hears it, he's going to think, oh man, I made a really big mistake. Do you ever feel like that? Like there are things around you that remind you of the mistakes that you've made constantly, just oh, every time you see it. Oh, jeez. My husband spoke a few weeks ago about discovering a revelation in Christ and talked about some things that he had gone through in his life. Some were his fault, some were not, but they were discouraging. And there are memories that he fights to not compare himself to, to not compare himself now to a version of himself then. I personally struggled that for many years. Some of you don't know this, but I was actually a single mom for the first three years of my son's life. And I grew up in the church. So I grew up volunteering and I grew up serving and I grew up with everyone going, Hannah, you're amazing. You're going to go so far. You have a great destiny in your life. And I was like, yeah. And then I went through a really, really hard time and I just dove headfirst into self-preservation and I did everything possible to escape the pain in the wrong direction. And then when I finally woke up and realized this is not taking me where I want to go, I gave my life back to Christ and two weeks later I was pregnant. I mean, I was already pregnant, but I found out I was pregnant two weeks later. Now, I came back to the church with a child. Talk about having a mistake in your face all the time. Having people look at you and going, oh, bless you. Oh, thanks. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. They treat you like, you know, you're, you're there, but you're not. Whoo, you're going to be amazing, right? So I spent an entire year in that church sitting in the back row. All the time they asked me to volunteer, I go, it's okay, I'm just going to sit here. The worship team found out I could play piano. Oh, you should play piano. No, that's okay. I'm not really good enough to do that right now. I punished myself. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think that my destiny that I had at that one time in my life, I would ever be able to live up to it anymore. And one day I remember I was 
crying and I was just really discouraged. And I mean, I was a mom, so I mean, <laughs> I cried a lot. And I was telling God, I don't, why? I mean, I just threw my entire life away, didn't I? I'm never going to live up to this destiny. I'm never going to be able to have the same dreams and destiny that you gave me. And he goes, of course not. Well, thanks. He goes, you're not the same person anymore. Why would I give you that destiny? You're not that person. I give you this other destiny because now you're this person. You have this experience. You have this knowledge. You have this wisdom. And he goes, that doesn't mean your destiny is second rate. God doesn't give out discount destinies. Right? He doesn't give out discount destinies. There's no thrift stores for callings. There's no half-price clearance sales. He doesn't send you to Nordstrom Rack instead of Nordstrom. My destiny was going to be just as good as this other person's version's destiny. It was just different. It was going to be brand new, and it was going to be tailored to me because now I had something different to give. My calling was different. My message was different. Why would he give me a destiny for a different message? It just doesn't make sense. But so many times we look at ourselves as if we are going to be in second place now. The thing is, is that we are all royalty. God doesn't say that some of us are sons and daughters, and then based on our mistakes, the other people are just dukes and lords. No, we're all sons and daughters. We're all heirs to his throne. John 1.12 says, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8.28 says, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill designed purposes. We are called to fulfill designed purposes. But we have to let go of the past in order to embrace that destiny. We have to let go of comparing ourselves to who we thought we were or regretting the decisions we made or constantly wishing that our life looked different than it did. If we spend all that time in the past, we're never going to experience now. We're never going to experience 2020 the way God wants us to experience 2020. The second thing that keeps us from letting go of the old is distraction from the mission. How is your guys' Thanksgiving? Good? How many of you guys got through an entire day of family conversation without talking about politics or sports? Or presidential candidates. Yeah? Family conversations are fun. And sometimes it's not those big issues. Sometimes it's, I don't like the way you're raising your children, or um, I think that you should wear different clothes, or um, how come you are still working at this job? You know, you should probably move on from this by now. There are so many opinions that people have of us that getting together with a family for an entire day can sometimes be a little challenging, at least for the majority of us. Um, it begs, it made me think of the question, how are we supposed to act like Christ when we are around people who cause us to really, really not want to act like Christ? And maybe you guys have great families. Maybe there's people out there that just say, actually, I get along just fine. Well, apply this to your workplace or your school or your spouse 
or your siblings. This sermon series is called Travel Light. This world is not our home. I've been thinking about this sermon topic. Well, not this sermon topic, but I'm thinking about the topic of the world is not our home uh, for the better part of this year, actually. Pastor Vasily came here in the spring and he challenged Christians to remember that we're here for a reason. We're not here to just live this life, right? We're here, we're not here to have the best life possible, although God wants that for us. And we're not here to be millionaires, although God loves to bless his children. He would love that to happen, but that's not the reason. Matthew 28, 19 says, go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. I think we forget that sometimes. Well, what has he commanded us to do? Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. <clears throat> Pastor Catherine talked about loving your neighbor a few weeks ago. And if you have questions about that, I would look up the podcast because it was a great explanation of who our neighbor is. We are here to tell others about God, to make disciples, to love God. But we're also here to teach other people to love God and to love our neighbor. So what's the best way of teaching someone? Showing them. I find this particularly hard when I am with people that I am most familiar with. <clears throat> I think because when I'm with people or we're with people we're familiar with, our message is often held up against our lifetime of mistakes and often disregarded. We're not seen as someone who has a mission. We're not seen as someone who has a message. We're seen as the person who made a lot of mistakes in our life. Can anyone relate to that? It's frustrating to be constantly compared to a version of you that doesn't exist anymore or to have expectations in front of you that are really hard to meet. Sometimes we're seen as the irresponsible teenager instead of the hardworking adult or the girl who made a big mistake that one time, not the woman who's made thousands of good decisions since. Or maybe you're just seen as the broken person who pulled themselves out of nothing, but no one will see how stable or wise you are now. And they keep treating you like you're second rate. We often put up walls and boundaries with family after years of wounds and disagreements. Conversations can become shallow. Vulnerability becomes non-existent. We could go on and on with stories, but the truth is that most of us can think of things in our life that we are reminded of or compared to people in our lives who we struggle to get along with because of ideas they've had, because of things they've said, because of wounds they've caused. And in all this, we are supposed to love like Christ and teach them to do the same. That's a daunting mission. I mean, the truth is we shouldn't care what people say because the only opinion that matters is God's. And that's where our value and identity come from. And we've already talked about we are sons and daughters of Christ. That's who we are. We shouldn't care. But it does hurt, and it does affect us. <clears throat> so why is it so important to remember our mission? Why is it so important to not get distracted by the comparisons and the expectations? Because this isn't your battle. Don't waste time fighting a war that is not yours to fight. When Pastor Jeffrey talked to me about this message, 
I didn't actually even know what the series was. And I was talking to God in the car about it. And I was like, okay, uh, sermon series on Christmas. And he goes, tell them to stop fighting my battles. And I was like, at Christmas time? Okay. But then I got the sermon series and it made sense. These people are not our battles. This, is, this isn't our, our war to fight. God already won everything. We're just here with a specific mission. Have you ever been in conversation with someone and disagreed on them, with them, and it becomes more in depth and before long, you really can't remember what you were fighting about or arguing about. And it's really at this place now where you just kind of want to win or look good or feel prideful about what you said. You just want to win, right? We as humans can get so wrapped up in our pride and our need to be right, we forget why we're fighting and who we're fighting against. Maybe it's your first year after a divorce and you just really want to prove to everyone that you're not someone who needs pity. Or maybe you have an estranged relationship with your brother and you spend the entire Christmas day trying to prove that you have the better car or the better job or the better house or the better family. This isn't your fight. These are not your battles. It is easy to lose sight of the mission that we've been given and get caught up in the distractions of other people. Our mission is to show people God's love. So maybe instead of proving that we're good, we show them how God's love is working through the wounds in our life. Or maybe instead of telling them how established and successful we are, we show them that God's love is for them no matter how successful they are. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. I looked this up in the Passion Translation, and I thought it was such an interesting take on it. It says, Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold the dark world in bondage. They're already fighting. The spiritual forces are fighting. That's who we're supposed to be fighting against, not the people around us. Our mission is to love the Lord our God and to obey his commands. To love him is to love like him. The people in your life are not your battlefield. They are your mission. Love like Christ and teach others to do the same. Jesus shows us an example of this when the Pharisees try to ridicule him in Mark 2 talks about how he went out onto a lake and he's preaching and he finishes and he decides to eat lunch with the sinners and the tax collectors. And the Pharisees question this. Why are you eating with these people? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus knew what his mission was. And he didn't get caught up in the conversation or trying to make himself look really good or trying to make himself look like the savior and the king. He knew what his mission was. And he just reminded them of his mission. We have to let go of our past. We have to remember our mission. When Joseph knew that Mary was pregnant, he was faced with a choice. He could either marry her and face what others would think of them, or he could divorce her quietly. In Matthew 1, 18, it, it talks about this story and how he had a dream where an angel came to him and told him to marry her anyway. When Joseph awoke from his dream, he did all the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. Joseph realized there was something bigger at stake here. He let go of the expectations for his life. 
what he thought his life would look like, what he dreamed his life would look like. He let go of all of that. He remembered that there was a mission here now, and he accepted the Lord's instructions. He kept his eyes on the prize. How many of you guys um, like the Avengers movies? Yeah? So, Infinity War, there is this scene, and um, it's been out for a couple years, so the fact that I'm talking about it should not be spoiler alert to anybody. There's this scene in the Infinity Wars where Thanos has the gauntlet, is that what it's called, Paige? Yeah? Something like that? Okay. Where all the stones are on it, and Spider-Man is there, and Iron Man, and Doctor Strange, and uh, Drax, I think, and, the, and Chris Pratt's character, Star-Lord something, what's his name? What? It's Peter, thank you. Peter, Star-Lord's like his name for himself, right? Peter's there, and then the, um, the girl with the antennas. And they all have him subdued, and she's on his head, and she's working this magic on him to try and get him to, you know, go to sleep or whatever. And they're pulling this gauntlet off. And Peter, Chris Pride's character, comes around and is having this conversation with him about something that he's done. He's looking for his girlfriend, Gamora. He's like, where is she, where is she, where is she? So you find out throughout the scene that Thanos killed her. And he becomes so distraught and so distracted and so focused on his pain that he forgets what they're doing. And he begins to fight with Thanos, which knocks the lady off his head, which knocks them out of proportion and Thanos is able to regain his senses and disappears. So literally within the space of 30 seconds, he completely destroys the entire reason that they had him there by focusing on his pain, by focusing on the present, by focusing on the thing that didn't matter at that moment. He lost sight of his mission. These are the things that keep us from letting go of the old. The past, distraction from the mission, and the third thing that keeps us from letting go is the pressure to grieve correctly. Now you might be thinking that's a really strange statement. Pressure to grieve correctly. But if you've experienced a loss, this makes really complete sense. Our culture here doesn't know how to grieve. We have our funerals, we have our memorial services. We have the period of time in which people give you the freedom to grieve. And then at a certain point, there's this expectation to move on, to let it go. But grief doesn't work that way. The loss of a person in our lives never really truly completely leaves. It just changes. It's quiet, but it's there. Grief can occur with the loss of a relationship, the loss of a lifestyle or a season in your life. It's not always the loss of a person. It affects our holidays. And no matter when these experiences happen, they can affect our holidays for just one year or our entire life. There's no timeline for grief, no expiration date, no end stamp. No one can tell you how to handle it, and no one can fully explain how it's going to affect you. But I think it's felt most keenly at Christmas. Maybe because we feel that Christmas of all times is when we're supposed to feel whole. We're supposed to feel complete with family. It's most obvious when there's something missing in our lives. I was talking with Pastor Lisa this last week, and she told me that 
Her mother passed away 15 years ago on December 27th, quite suddenly. And her dad doesn't celebrate Christmas anymore. He can't decorate. It's too hard, the memory. I know some girls whose parents were divorced, and they told me that Christmas is bittersweet now. Even though they love their parents' families, they feel the loss of their original family unit. My dad was in a freak accident three years ago in Hawaii. He was paralyzed. It changed our family. Christmas is wonderful, but there's a bittersweet component to it because all of our traditions stopped. My mom grieves the loss of her lifestyle, the loss of freedom. She grieves the retirement that she thought she was going to have with him. Loss looks different to everyone. It can show up in so many different areas of our life. In Bible days, you can read about their cultural traditions. When someone died, they actually hired mourners to come and wail for days. Grief was given this wide space. It was embraced as a natural part of life. So often we associate grief and pain and loss as not moving on, but they're different. Letting go of the old means we don't allow ourselves to be stuck to stay in that same place of loss. We just need to begin to take one tiny step forward toward a place I just call longing. We don't stop missing them, but we begin to remember them well. C.S. Lewis talks about pain. He has several books about it. But this one concept idea that he has really struck with me the joy we experience with people when they're alive is part of the pain that we experience when they're gone. It's a package deal. We carry the joy into the longing. I lost my grandmother to cancer 15 years ago, and I've actually lost quite a few people in my dad's family, but hers is the only one that has impacted me the same way. I remember everything she was everything to me. And I remember every Christmas, all of the traditions and all of the memories that we have together. And I carry the joy of those memories into the pain. And it becomes this beautiful ache. Proverbs 10.7 says, the memory of the righteous is a blessing. My grandmother believed that unconditional love was the most incredible gift you could give everyone. Through the years, part of my grieving process has been to remember that. I strive to be like her, to emulate that. It gives my pain this assignment. It gives my, my pain like this little tiny mission. In some way, I get to do something for her. I choose to be more like her, and it's my tribute, and it helps my grieving process. Part of this is what Christmas is about, letting go of the old covenant, let it, making room for the new covenant when Jesus was born. When he came, his country had expectations for this king, this majestic savior that was going to rush in and totally destroy the bad people. That didn't happen, right? So actually, when Jesus was born, the entire country had to let go of their expectations. They had to make room for something new. Mary and Joseph experienced the joy of his birth while understanding that this was not the life that they thought they were going to have. But if they had held on to their previous desires, they would not have gotten to experience the fulfillment that came with being the mother and father of Jesus. 
this Christmas season and beyond into 2020, let's remember this. We have a mission from Christ. We have a reason that we are here. Let's take that and the memories of those around us into 2020. I want to invite you now to just take a moment to reflect. Maybe you have been holding on to things in the past, and today you want to take one step into letting them go. Keep them in 2019. Don't take them into 2020. Maybe you want to remind yourself why you're here. Maybe you've been caught up in the distraction of those around you and you've forgotten that the mission is so much bigger. Maybe you're weary from fighting battles that aren't yours to fight. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe it's from a loss this year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There's space here. Jesus gives us space to grieve correctly. He says that he is close to the brokenhearted. When Lazarus died and he met Mary and Martha, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that, but he cried. He cried with them because he understood that they were already grieving and he gave them space to do it. He didn't say, oh, you guys are silly. Stop grieving. I'm going to raise him from the dead. No, he said, this is, this is heavy. Let me cry with you. We want to cry with you. We want to stand with you, whether it's next to you or from afar. We want to give you that space today. We're going to have the prayer team up here in a minute. And if you would like prayer for something, maybe it's in your past, a pain that's unresolved, I encourage you to come up and talk to them. We have ornaments that are going to be at either side here for the memorial tree. Maybe you write down the name of someone you've lost, or maybe you write down something that you're going to tribute to them in honor. Maybe you're going to resolve to take their memory as something that's going to propel you forward this year. Thank you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at My Anthem Family. God bless.